We here at the Fumbling Four Network take mental health very serious. If you or someone you know is having thoughts of suicide, please reach out to the National Suicide Prevention Hotline at 1-800-273-8255. If you don't like talking on the phone, you can text or start an online chat. Once again, the number is 1-800-273-8255. Welcome to the Resident Evil Lorecast, the podcast that will explore the various mediums and lore of the Resident Evil franchise, such as the video games, movies, novels, and more. And here are your hosts, Ariel, Daniel, and Aaron. Got something that might interest you. <laughs> Well, welcome back to the Resident Evil Lurecast. I'm your host, Aaron. And joining me is my fellow hosts, Ariel. Hello. And Daniel. Hi there. And today, we're talking... RE4 Remake. Oh, wait. We don't have Pete. Yeah, we need Pete for here for that one. <laughs> no. We're doing Resident Evil Extinction. I don't like this movie. Why my not? boy dies. Oh. Spoilers, everybody. Sorry. So uh, before I pass it over, I I got something new for us. There wasn't there was there were Easter eggs, but it's pretty much obvious Easter eggs in this. So instead, I've got some interesting trivia for you, and I'm gonna spice it in here because this is the perfect place to do it. Did you know the Muffin Man? <laughs> no, not the Muffin Man. It was a conscious decision made early on in the development of this movie. To make this the bloodiest Resident Evil film to date. Why? I don't know. They just decided this will be the most gruesome and bloody Resident Evil movie so far. Maybe they're just because trying, it gets worse, but maybe they're trying to push the envelope. See how I think, far they could go. I think they were because uh, because of the critic reviews in the beginning. Like the first two movies didn't receive many critic reviews like they got overwhelmingly negative critic reviews from the first two movies yet they still sold the crap out of them so who's dumb now <laughs> yes. but anyway there's your first interesting fact well on that note I guess it's time to pass it over to Daniel who's that I guess you have uh, this thing called a synopsis for me nope sorry <laughs> so as we know, this is the third movie in the franchise. It was released in the United States on September 21st, 2007. It was commercially successful and grossed over $147 million worldwide. But, just like the past two movies, it received many negative reviews <laughs> from the critics. I was in college when this movie came out. Oh. And also, just I believe like the last movie, this was not directed by Paul Anderson. This was directed by Russell Mulcahy. But Paul Anderson did everything else. Yes. <laughs> so it's one of his movies, hmm. but it wasn't directed by him. That is what I currently have on the synopsis, as I don't want to go into too much detail for it, because you'll hear that in plot. You know, I find it very interesting that in your synopsis you dropped that it did not have very good critic reviews. I was hoping you weren't going to spoil it for me when you were saying I was that. not going to, no. Uh, but I am going to say that 
it was not open or screened to critics. That's the next interesting fact I had. I was waiting for him to do a synopsis. They they didn't show it to critics. They were like, no, because you guys suck and you gave us bad ratings the last year. We're not going to show it to you. But yet the critics still gave them bad ratings. <laughs> They're like, fine, we'll pay for movie tickets and then give you bad ratings. Oh, God. So uh, I guess that pitches us over to Ariel for a plot. No. No? Okay. Just kidding. Let's talk plot. In the weeks and months following the destruction of Raccoon City, the T-Virus had successfully spread across the world. The virus proves to be fatal to many organisms and mass desertification. With the undead always migrating in search of food, human refugees have long since abandoned their cities in favor of mobile convoys keeping away from them as long as possible and I've got things to say about that <laughs> in the discussion episode so Alice drives alone by motorcycle past the city limits of what was once Salt Lake City now consumed by the expanding Mojave Desert having received a radio broadcast from survivors at the local KLKB station Alice stops to investigate Finding the woman who made the call, Ma, Alice realizes too late this is a trap. And the radio station is in fact under the control of bandits who lure survivors to their doom. Insert Admiral Akbar here. It's a trap. This isn't Star Wars. <laughs> Are we sure? No. So, Eddie threatens Alice with his Kukri prepares to maim her, but is kicked in the head, killing him instantly, which is interesting. I'm proud of her for that. <laughs> <laughs> Knocked out in retaliation, Alice wakes up in an arena created by the bandits, where she is forced to fight their undead dogs for entertainment. Alice is able to best the dogs, of course, because it's Alice with one getting out and killing Ma. <laughs> Ma. Runty, Piggy, Pockmark, and Rancid. Those are some names. I'm surprised they gave them names as unimportant characters they were. I know. Like, I didn't know their names. I knew Ma and Eddie because she yelled out Eddie, but... Mm -hmm. Oh, it's interesting names. So, leaving the dog be, she goes and gets the rest of her weapons from when they had taken it and takes off and finds herself at a gas station. And in there, she finds a journal which details a route to Alaska, which the writer believed to be virus-free. Dr. Isaacs has been trying to reproduce and clone or, or clone Alice's powers by creating clones of her, but none of them survive the task they're faced with. He concludes to Wesker and the other Umbrella Board members that he needs the original Project Alice in order to obtain her blood and hopefully find a mass cure for the virus after discovering that the undead hunger for flesh, yet gaining nothing from it. 
Wesker and the Umbrella board members thus made this together with the capture of Alice among their highest priority. Using her clones' blood as a basis for the cure, he plans to domesticate the undead with his newly developed serum, harvested from her blood. Initially, the super-undead displayed signs of heightened intelligence, increased memory power, and reasoning skills, but soon grew to be stronger, faster, and more vicious. Isaacs uses this to his advantage by secretly creating a larger group of these super-undead, defying Wesker's orders. At the same time, Carlos and LJ, the OGs from last last movie, <laughs> have joined a convoy of survivors consisting of Kmart, Otto, Mikey, Chase, Liam, and Betty, led by none other than Claire Redfield, moving in search of supplies. While searching a motel, LJ is bitten, but doesn't tell anybody. At morning, the convoy is waken up by thousands of infected, hungry crows. When everything seems lost, Alice arrives and using her telekinesis, that is ridiculous, manages to save the convoy. Despite her efforts, Betty, Otto, and five others died in the attack. I liked Otto. He was cool, and I liked Betty, too. Yeah. She tells the group about her plan to go to Alaska, and they decide to follow it by popular vote. However, before trying the long journey, they need supplies. And they decide to search the nearby Las Vegas, which is now in ruins. Meanwhile, Dr. Isaacs has been looking for Alice, hoping her DNA could be the source for a cure. He finally manages to track her by satellite, but only by a 62% confirmation. He later reports this to Wesker, who instead refuses to have Isaacs recapture Alice until the satellite confirmation hits 100%. But Isaacs is later revealed to have recorded Wesker's speech and edited it to make it appear as if Wesker ordered his second-in-command. Captain Alexander Slater to send a force to capture Alice. Isaacs then sends a group of his newly created super undead to Las Vegas, both to test their ability and capture Alice. The convoy is attacked by the super undead, and most of its members are killed. LJ eventually succumbs to the T virus and bites Carlos before being shot dead. Mikey was devoured by a band of super undead, and Chase falls from his sniper position in the Eiffel Tower replica while fighting with the super undead who managed to locate his position. Dr. Isaacs tries to control Alice via satellite, but she is powerful enough to hack Umbrella's computer network and find out that Isaacs is just a few meters away on the roof of a nearby building. She attacks the few Umbrella men and kills all of them but Isaacs, who manages to escape by helicopter after being bitten by his own creatures. The few survivors decide to raid a nearby Umbrella facility, hoping to use their helicopter to fly to Alaska. Inside the underground laboratories, 
Isaacs tries to save himself by injecting more and more antivirus, but he seems helpless and begins to exhibit signs of mutation as a result of the overdose. His second-in-command, Captain Slater, was sent by Wesker to kill him due to his failure and insubordination, but Isaacs proves resistant to gunfire and kills Slater and some nearby guards with his new tentacled hand. He then begins to kill everyone in the base, but he's trapped inside the lower levels by the White Queen, the computer which controls the facility. The convoy arrives to the facility, only to find out that its perimeter is surrounded by thousands of undead. Carlos, believing his infection to be beyond any cure, chooses to sacrifice himself in order to open a safe path for the rest of the convoy to pass through. Because he's a hero. He gets into a gasoline truck with some dynamite, drives into the crowd, and detonates the explosives. But not before finding one last smoke. <laughs> Claire, Kmart, Liam, and the remaining surviving convoy members get into the chopper and fly away to Alaska, leaving the convoy's fate open to viewers. Alice, meanwhile, decides to get her revenge on Umbrella. When she gets into the lab, she's told by the White Queen, who confirms that the real Alice's blood is the ultimate cure for pure purging the world of the biohazard, that she has to reach the lower level in order to create a cure. Down there, she finds out she finds one of her clones, but before she can examine it, Isaac's now a tyrant attacks her. She stabs him with a knife and he flees and is able to instantaneously heal his stab wound. The clone wakes up, seemingly dying in Alice's arms. And a battle of telekinetic powers then continues inside the mansion and in the replica of the laser corridor from the hive. Isaacs taunts Alice, saying that he is the future. With Alice retorting to Isaacs, they are both going to die. And the laser cuts him into pieces, but stops just before reaching Alice, of course because her clone is revealed to have been the one to turn it off. <gasps> she saved herself. Is that how that works? In Tokyo, Wesker informs the rest of Umbrella that contact with the North American branch has been lost and decided to control further experimentation from his Japan facility. Using their holographic technology, Alice joins the meeting and informs them that she's after them and is bringing a few of her friends. The film ends as Alice, next to one of her clones, watches hundreds of others awakening. And that is the plot of Extinction. So, uh, basically what I heard in that entire plot was Alice is psychic because reasons in movie <laughs> you like you already know I 100% don't agree with her psychic abilities oh boy so uh okay well that being said do you want to hear an interesting fact Yes. Okay. So there were unused scenes from the original script where Alice manages to hack into the files of Umbrella, which she does mention in the movie she did, and that is how she managed to stay under the radar. So it is mentioned, but there were actually scenes planned to show this, 
And in doing so, in her hacking process, she reveals that her real name is not Alice Abernathy, but Janice Prospero. Janice Joplin? I really thought that's what you were going to say. <laughs> I knew. So, uh, that's my first interesting fact for you. Cut for obvious reasons. I'm glad they cut it because that's kind of unnecessary. Why, mm-hmm. why the name change? That's... Uh, no idea. No idea. However, another thing that was cut, the original script included some flashback sequences depicting the original trial in the International Court of Geneva, where umbrella executives were convicted of genocide, but the hearing would come to an abrupt end when an army of undead barged into the courtroom and murdered everyone. I would have loved to have seen that in the movie, though. That would have been awesome. Uh, yeah, I mean... We would have actually been able to see the actual court, like, well, not the actual one, but we would have been able to see a trial where Umbrella was held accountable. That would have been pretty cool. Just seems fitting for a Paul Anderson movie to then be interrupted by a (laughs) horde of zombies eating everybody. (laughs) So the last one I'm going to throw into this part before we go to the mid-break is the original script involved... Claire actually being the one that made everyone go to Alaska because she was supposed to be on a never-ending quest to find her brother, Chris. But they scrapped it last minute and changed it to this is now the hero's quest to save everyone or we're going to Alaska. So there you have it. There's some more interesting facts for you. And now it's time to go to our mid-break. Well, here we are in the middle of the show. I always ask Ariel, so Daniel, what do we do here? I left and came back, so I don't remember at all what we do. All right, Ariel, what do we do here? Nothing. (sighs) We thank our patrons. You guys fail at the middle of the show. No. (laughs) Big old Fs. For fun. <laughs> For fun. For fantastic. <sighs> so we do have to thank our patrons. And to start off, we have to thank our VIP patrons like Oracle, Cerberus91, Chris Slate, Donnie Shanks, Everything Res Evil, Naked Mango, The Compound, The Pumpkin King, The Seven Sins, and William Jackson. And then we have to thank our all access patrons like Dead Socks, Jeremy Kelly, Joseph Sucknanan Sucknanan <laughs> That name uh, I wasn't prepared for that one <laughs> uh, And Remington Cloutier And then we have to thank our official patrons Ryan Black and some random guy That that name just I got me I feel so bad For the patrons I try okay I try <laughs> But in all seriousness, thank you to our lovely patrons. You make this show possible. Yes, thank you, patrons. And thank you, listeners, because without you, we wouldn't have a show. So we need both of them to make this work. Yeah. Of course. And like equipment and stuff like that. Yeah, that's, that's the thing we desperately need to make podcasts. Fans and equipment, like the two number 
one things you need. The two number one things. Two number one things. You can have more than one. Oh. <laughs> uh, well, with that being said, I have a fan mail here. Do you want me to read it? Uh, yes, I do. <clears throat> I prefer, prefer to be winded. You pre- what? <laughs> what? She it's a fan mail. It's going to blow me away, right? Get it? Because fan, as in like fan, not fan. I can't even with you two. I have so much gusto. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so this one uh, comes to us from Kimberly Glass. And it says, hey guys, I just wanted to reach out and tell you how much I love listening to your podcast. I really, really wish I could afford a Patreon membership. No. I would love to be on the show for an episode. I'm looking forward to playing RE4 Remake when it comes out. I've played and beat most of the games. I give five Leons out of five Leons for this podcast. Uh, Yeah, because you're the best, so... (laughs) Just saying... So that is our fan mail for the day. And had the one. I don't know. iTunes isn't giving me any other reviews. Hey, I'm fine with the one. It's better than none. Uh, <laughs> so that being said, Danny boy, what'd you bring me? Well, I didn't bring it for you. I brought it for all the fans. Oh, okay. Which doesn't include you. Oh, I see. Which will eventually be me because I'm buying this. Oh, what yes. This? If you ever want to seem like you're carrying a piece of the virus around or your loved ones can carry a piece of the virus around and you can imply that there's a virus in there or something down the road or whatever Uh, okay no if you want to seem like all that is possible while wearing your resident evil jersey still try to pitch that huh resident evil baseball team somebody already did that (laughs) yeah we got a baseball team and now you can carry a piece of the virus with you I just sounded real creepy, everybody. Good job. If you go to Etsy and look up the Boutique Bazaar, they have Resident Evil T-Virus, Antidote, Necklace, or Pendant, and even earrings, it looks like. I'm not sure how you exactly determine what you get if you have to contact the seller, but more than likely there is a couple options on there. They look like they run about $19. Uh, There is a red, a blue T-Virus, and the green antivirus. And if you get a couple of them, it does lower the price. Ooh. Right now, they are limited as they only have two left in stock currently. But they are mostly as a pendant. And it looks like shipping is free. But if you want to get those, that is on Etsy by the Boutique Bazaar. And Ariel will have that in the show notes but it does look pretty awesome if you want to carry a piece with the virus with you. Or uh, like I said, to yeah. send it with your loved ones. I mean, you can even like carry oh, those are pretty cool. the antivirus with you in case, you know. Give them- oh, I got bitten. Hold on a sec. I got the antivirus. Hmm. Sounds them- like uh, Alice should have had one of those. Give them the virus, <laughs> your loved ones the virus, and you carry the antivirus. <laughs> wow. That's all I got. <laughs> And again, if you anybody gets any of this merch, should put pictures in the, the Lorecast channel. Mm-hmm. We definitely want to see it. Uh, yes. Hashtag yes. <laughs> so, that one out of the way. Ariel, what do you got? <laughs> that one out of the way. <laughs> wow. I have to give Daniel a hard time because you give me a hard time. So I have to I have to vent my frustration out somewhere. 
I'm not even gonna. Nope, not gonna step into that one. I mean, Daniel's such a good sport; he lets me. So, I just ignore you half the time. It's okay. Yeah, yeah, that sounds about right. So, anyways, I read an article, much like I always do, and this comes from Twisted Voxel, and the title is, eh, I'm excited about this one. Resident Evil 4 Remake Merchant will offer new subquests. Gameplay greatly expanded. <gasps> yes, that is exactly what it means. We get more of the merchant. Yes. Can we play as the merchant? That's what I'm waiting for. I know. I want to run through the tunnels and get there before Leon does. <laughs> that would be an awesome awesome game so anyways the merchant in resident evil 4 remake will offer brand new subquests, suggesting that the gameplay has been greatly expanded speaking during an interview director yasuhiro ampo and game director kazunori kadoi shared new details regarding the resident evil 4 remake including the addition of brand new subquests that will be available via the merchant the game also features a new parry mechanic in place of the QTEs that were present in the original. In addition, players will now have the greater degree of freedom via new approaches for tackling enemies, such as the use of stealth. The knife featured in the remake is a more powerful weapon than it was in the original, though it has limited uses. So, Oh, we're back break. to that again? Mm -hmm. Ugh, in terms of new mobility options, not only can Leon turn around more quickly, he also has a new quick dodge mechanic. Meanwhile, the game's merchant will offer brand new subquests that weren't present in the original. Previously, it was revealed that the remake will feature both a new game, a new game plus, as well as photo mode. In an earlier Game Informer video that covered 80 rapid questions regarding the remake, director Yasuhiro Ampo and producer Yoshiaki Hirabayashi revealed that the game will feature a new Game Plus as well as a photo mode. It was also revealed that the village featured in the remake is bigger than that of the original. On the other hand, the island has big level design changes from the original, but in terms of size, it may end up being about the same length. So we won't get an expanded island. It also, it was also stated that Ada will have a major role to play in the remake. With regards to the available control scheme options, the developers stated that there's a control scheme that emulates RE4's original control scheme. However, they said that it's not entirely the same since Leon can now perform new actions not featured in the original. So I will post that article in the show notes. I do want to say, I so, I was going to talk about the badass new trailer that came oh out. Oh my gosh, yes. I so wanted to talk about that. But we're saving that for a patron chat episode. Are we? Yes. We're going to talk about it? Yes. Oh so, gosh, <laughs> listeners, don't hang me up to dry here. I know about the badass fucking trailer. But we will discuss that with the patrons on all the things that were going on in mm. that awesomeness. So yeah, oh that's all I've got for today. 
Well, that's still cool. But I have something cooler. Is it a fridge? No, it's it's not. Oh, it's a freezer. It's not either. It's not any of those things. I have from store.rare-t.com. I have a Resident Evil script limited edition signature custom frame. So this is the original Resident Evil movie script that is signed by the actors Mila Jovovich, Michelle Rodriguez, Eric Mobius, Mobius? Oh, I can't pronounce that name. (laughs) James Purefoy, Martin Cruz, Colin Salmon, and Jason Isaacs. Now, this is strictly limited to 100 units worldwide. So there's only 100 copies of this. It is felt covered so that you don't have to worry about touching it and getting hand oils on it and everything. And it's not messing it up. It's felt covered. The paper in which the script was printed on is of a thicker stock and grade. And... It is framed in a high-quality, triple acid-free matte shadow box frame using exclusive lightweight custom-engineered UV slash warping slash humidity slash fading-resistant moldings, metallic fillet trim, and finished with lightweight protective glass to keep it looking pristine. It is sealed in this box with original artwork for the cover. The, the felt cover, the original movie poster artwork, and a limited edition number plate and authentic- authenticity certificate. So this is this is a big boy. This is a big, big deal. <laughs> and before I give you the price. It has a processing week of four to six, four to six weeks for processing. So that means they're probably getting these signatures either as and when they need to, or there may be some like they have to create it and, you know, but it says it's all often, it's all authentic, all real signatures. So shipping info, if you're in Canada, it takes one to five business days to get it uh, after the processing time. United States, one to nine business days. Asia is six to 12 business days. Europe is five to 10 business days. And Australia is seven to 14 business days. And the total price of this badass thing, $249.99. And that does not include shipping. I feel like if you spent that much on that, shipping should be free. I feel like it should too, but you know. They got to get their money somehow. <laughs> they do by charging two hundred and ridiculous. Yeah, you're right. I mean, it is cool though. I'm not. It is pretty freaking cool. And who wouldn't want Michelle Rodriguez's at, uh, autograph? So, mm-hmm. I do. Yeah, it's it's legit. But you, if you want it, you better hurry out because there's only a hundred of them in existence. I don't have that kind of pocket change. I don't either. But if wish. I did. I would hang it up like right over there in the studio. Yeah, yep. right over there. So that's what I brought today. I mean, the only reason that is a little bit cooler than the merchant is because of Michelle Rodriguez. So. 
Oh, well, that's it for the mid break. Yep. So uh, when we come back from mid break, we're going to talk B.O.W.'s characters and some more interesting facts. Yeah. Hey, I got an interesting fact for you. Is it about something I don't want to hear? It's something you absolutely want to hear. Well, then let's hear it. What's this interesting fact? This interesting fact is, you know, you could save yourself 10% off on a set of some really badass dice. (laughs) That is something I do want to hear. Yeah. Please tell me more. Yeah. Well, um, if you head on over to FanRoll Dice and use our promo code AlmightyC10, which is A-L-L, Mighty, and the letter C, 10, you could save yourself 10% off of a set of dice or multiple sets of dice or mm-hmm. dice trays, dice bags, dice towers, anything, you know, dice related. So, yeah. Because who doesn't love saving money so you could, you know, save up for that awesome autograph or T virus pendant? <laughs> Oh, yeah, that's gosh. all I got. Go there now. Go spend, there now. Spend your money. Arrow told you save to. Save 10% off. So. Oh, my gosh. All right. Well, then that's the end of the med break. <laughs> well, here it is. You asked for it. Did we? It's the end of the episode. We asked know. to go home. <laughs> you can't go home. You live in the basement now. <laughs> Here there's no place. All podcasts all the time. Anyway. <laughs> Here there's no place like home. <laughs> We're not in Kansas. Anymore. Uh, so. <laughs> we never were in Kansas. Oh, my gosh. Well, anyway, on all seriousness, regrettably, we are at the end of the episode. <sighs> but before we go, we have to talk. Some B.O.W.s and characters. So, Daniel, what do you got for some B.O.W.s? So, back with holiday times, there's red, purple, yellow, blue. No, not bows. Oh. B.O.W.s. I thought you were... I spelled it out for a reason. You forgot green. I thought you were spelling it because I... It's like a dog. I would go out if you you didn't spell (laughs) the word for me. (laughs) Anyways. Oh. This is what we do to Aaron, purposely. Yeah. So if B.O.W.-wise, there is plenty of reoccurring B.O.W.s from previous movies, which now I kind of wonder where there was a liquor at during this movie. Thinking about that. But besides that, in this movie, there are the normal undead zombies. Then you also have the Cerberus slash zombie dogs. And then you have, new to it, the super undead. And then the tyrant well, at least the Paul Anderson version of the Tyrants. And the Crows. Because we know Aaron loves his birds from the games. Mm-hmm. So they're back. So uh, on the Crows, you want an interesting fact? Is it no. about music? It's about Crows. Okay. I've Is got an interesting fact about counting? music. It is about counting Crows. Did you know that there were only two Crows in this movie? The rest were all special effects and CGI's. I'm surprised they even had two. I am as well. It's not just all CGI. No, yeah. that's actually surprising. Yeah, the two crows were none other than the one on Steve and the one that lands on the bus. Now, did those crows have names? I did not Stevie get the crows' names. <laughs> and Nick, Stevie and Nick. 
<laughs> oh my gosh. Neither of them can sing. I love how you're butchering my interesting fact. Well, that one crow <laughs> on that music video was singing. Uh, oh my gosh. Had nothing to do with Resident nothing. Evil. Nothing. No. Uh, but uh, on that note, I will give this interesting fact, but if you want the full details of it, you're going to have to go to the link that will be in the show notes because I'm not talking about all of this stuff. And I'm glad they did not put this in the movie, but... Uh, there was supposed to be a series of events that would lead to some more B.O.W.s coming into play, not only in this movie, but in the next movie, and which one of them would be the child of a clone. We'll say that much. Um, but the other B.O.W.s that were supposed to make a uh, appearance in this movie were our uh, not-so-friendly hunters. That would have been cool. That would have been to be really honest. freaking cool. Because it'd be a new B.O.W. Never, nobody's ever done in like the other. Yeah, I don't think Hunter's made any appearances. Not in any of the series or CGI's Mm-mm. or I don't think. They've been in the CGI's. Or am I thinking of RE3? I thought they were in one of the CGI's. I don't think, I don't think they so. were. I think we've only really gotten tyrants, slickers, and then zombies for the most part, and the dogs. Mm. I don't think there's been any any big BOWs. Yeah, other than like Nemesis and Tyrant and Hmm. Huh. Maybe Death Island. <gasps> oh! Put some hunters in there, Capcom, because that would be cool <laughs> to see some different BOWs from the games. Uh, so on that note. The last two interesting facts I have for the B.O.W. section here uh, is the first one is the crow sitting on the power lines and attacking in large numbers pays homage to Alfred Hitchcock's movie, The Birds. <laughs> I could see that. Yeah. And on the topic of homages, there's also another one paid to a very, very illustrious and incredible director of zombie films. You and your illustrious. Well, I mean, is he not? I don't think illustrious is the word you're looking for. <laughs> I, I don't, yeah. Well, maybe not, but he's an incredible person. Uh, George R. Romero. Well, that is definitely <laughs> true. Yes. Illustrious. Oh, no, no. Illustrious, he's, it's right. Yeah, so I thought so. Well known, respected, admired for past achievements. Yes, illustrious. So I'll give it okay. to him. Yeah. I don't know. When I'm I think illustrious, you... I think of something else. No, no. So, yeah, <laughs> Daniel with his uh, flowing hair. Uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah. Uh, Bud, the zombie from Day of the Dead, the uh, sequence in which the zombie was quote unquote tamed is almost a identical reference piece to when Bud in Day of the Dead was utilizing the cell phone. Do you remember this argument we had recently where you swore up and down it wasn't Day of the Dead? No. Yeah, you did, and I was very mad at you because you kept saying it was a different one of his movies, and I kept telling you it was Day of the Dead. Oh, yeah, I thought it was Dawn of the Dead. It was Day of the Dead. Yeah. That's, so. that's the one with the zombie that can yeah, do military Bud. commands, right? Yeah, it's Bud. But, so, uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> either way, this scene was supposed to pay massive respects to the father of zombies. So uh, those are my B.O.W. interesting facts. So Ariel, now we're up for characters. I don't want to do it anymore. Why not? But illustrious. <laughs> so 
fucking weird. All right. So here are the list of characters. We've got Alice, Carlos, Claire, Dr. Isaacs, Betty, who's played by Ashanti, which I thought was actually kind of cool. Mikey, Kmart, otherwise known as Rebecca, though that is not canon. That is just me and Daniel. Slater, Chase, Wesker, LJ, Otto, White Queen, Runty, Piggy, Ma, Pac, Eddie, Rancid. Those names. I know. Almost as bad as Kmart. <laughs> no, I think Kmart is better than... Okay, yeah, well, Kmart is obviously better than Rancid, but... <laughs> Rancid. Of all the names you could pick for yourself, you picked Rancid. He smells bad. <laughs> Everyone smells bad. This is a, the apocalypse. He smells real bad. Anyways, last one I'm going to mention is Tyrant. So, <sighs> there was others, like, clearly, like... Small boy is listed. And this is an interesting one. Ice hockey. Ice hockey? <laughs> yeah. You know, but I listed off the actual, you know. Oh my gosh. Mainish characters. And that is what I have. I'm about, I'm looking up who ice hockey is. Oh, okay. All right. Mm. Yeah. That's what it looked like from the picture. He's one of the super undead. Why do they call him ice hockey, though? Probably just like a denotation instead of calling him whatever series of numbers and letters on this. Mm. Yeah, it was just it was a nickname given to the one of the super undeads. It's probably where they found that particular zombie originally. Like Kmart. was in the middle of an ice hockey rink. <laughs> yeah, he's he's a Zamboni driver. He's just oh gosh, hanging around the ice hockey rink. I love when they give these characters names that nobody understands until we have to do deep dives. <laughs> oh, well, here's an interesting fact for you. Ice Hockey was the one that bit Isaacs. Nice. That's, that's probably why Revenge plot. That's probably why he's, got a, how, why he's got a name. Ah. Because how many Super Undead were there? A lot. A lot. A lot. It's perfect. Ice Hockey's the one who bit. That's just, that's just poetic justice. <clears throat> well, I in, in return, I'm going to give you some interesting facts. You ready? Um, no, but you're going to give them to me anyways. Yep. So. <laughs> so, Sienna Gilroy was offered the chance to reprise her role as Jill Valentine from Resident Evil Apocalypse in 2004, but had to turn it down to scheduling conflicts with Aragon that was being created for 2006. And the character was subsequently written off in this sequel. So I thought that was pretty cool that instead of going, right, we're just going to recast you then, they were like, nope, you're Jill, and if we can't have you, then there is no Jill in the script. She should have just done Extinction instead of Aragon, because that was just it. <laughs> I loved went. the book. I loved the book, and they butchered the movie. Butchered it. She should have just done Resident Evil. You're right. So um, on the note, of actors not reprising their roles, Mila Jovovich wasn't actually interested in doing this movie. Uh, it actually... She wasn't interested in doing this movie because she was disappointed in Resident Evil Apocalypse and how well it had been received. 
but she changed her mind quickly after reading the script to this movie and agreed. It's because she had telekinetic powers. <laughs> oh my god. I bet it was because she got to kiss Odin. Because, I mean, I would I would definitely say yes to being starred in a movie where I got to kiss him. So, um, on another here, uh, Leon Kennedy was actually supposed to make a cameo in this movie, and it would expand in the fourth film, his appearance. And it was rumored for a very long time that none other than the actor Jensen Ackles would be playing Leon. I don't know if I, I could see him as Leon. Listen, I don't care. I would have died into <laughs> heaven because he is one sexy man. And to playing my sexy man. <laughs> woo. Uh, yeah, this this was also scrapped due to um, scripting conflicts and things. So they scrapped Leon in this film. Ergo, they scrapped Jensen Ackles in the film. And of course, when this movie came out, he was reprising some roles in different things, and then he wasn't available because supernatural. God. So he is a phenomenal actor. He really is. So the next one, and then we'll move on to some other random interesting facts. The last one here about characters is the two kukri knives that Mila Jovovich uses wasn't actually originally scripted. However, the idea came from none other than her fighting trainer from Resident Evil Apocalypse, Ron Balicki, said, you should use Kukri. She's like, uh, okay, we'll pitch it. And they loved it. So they threw it in there, which I'm glad they did because those were the most badass parts. They literally threw it in there. They literally threw it in there. A little dangerous. I get what you're oh, saying. Oh, gosh. I'm done with you. I hear what you're saying, but I don't follow. So, some we're going to see go some. There's so many interesting facts on this page. If you get a chance, we'll have the link. Go check these things out. You can. It's on IMDb. You can check out all these cool, crazy behind the scenes things. So, we're just going to. We're going to pick some at random here. Uh, the first one at random White Queen was never specifically called by name in the entire film. I didn't think so. No. Never. Nope. The trademark double spiral-shaped injections representing DNA now have two liquids instead of one. The one spiral contains the blue liquid, which is the T-virus, and the other one contains the green liquid, which is the antidote. The mixture is supposedly capable of bestowing the regenerative features of the T-virus without succumbing to the atrocious side effects mutating you into an undead. Let's try it out. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> and nope. So, the next one we have here is talking about the setting and the temperatures in what the cast had to endure. The temperatures would often be in excess of 130 degrees in the Mexico location of filming. Various members of the crew would frequently have to be treated for dehydration on set. So they literally put their lives on a line to create this movie. And all of that was because one of the assistant chief directors said that it needs to be filmed 
all entirely in the day. They wanted everything to be filmed in the daytime. Which they didn't really get their way because, you know, the whole night scene and you had a couple night scenes in there where they were trying to go to bed and, you know, the psychic. So, didn't get your way. (laughs) How old are you? You're right. So, uh, another interesting fact is the early draft of the script reveals Kmart's real name is Elizabeth Jane Case. Uh, no, that's a weird way to say Rebecca. Shit. <laughs> I was waiting. I told Ariel I was waiting for Kmart's actual name to be Rebecca, and they, she, they were making a thing about her not liking her name because it was actually Rebecca. Yeah, listeners, it's this is not canon. This is just me and Daniel being <laughs> us. So please don't think that Kmart is actually Rebecca, but she really is. So, oh my gosh. So, uh, another interesting fact here. Ollie Larter was cast largely on the strength of her performance in the first two Final Destination movies. Listen. Listen. I couldn't think of anybody better Mm. to play Claire than her because I I love the way they made Claire in this. Yeah. She didn't seem like... I know in the game she doesn't seem helpless, but she almost seems helpless. Yeah. In the games. I know she's not, clearly. She's a badass, but they always play her off as that way. I know. It's kind of annoying. Kind of clueless, kind of young. Yeah. You know, but I like the way they made Claire in this. So I got two more interesting facts here, and then we can wrap her on up. So the next one is... This is the only narration in the sequels that does not begin with the phrase, my name is Alice. Every other one starts with, my name is Alice. I don't know why they decided this one wasn't going to be it, but whatever. (laughs) Um, And the next one is... Alice's new costume in this movie was designed by Mila Jovovich's clothing line, Jovovich Hawk. She designs clothing for like post-apocalyptic. Apparently. I mean, that's kind of cool. <laughs> I got to check it out. Uh, I got one here. I'll, I'll just do it. This will be the last one. I'll do this one. I thought this was pretty cool. The accompanying music for the first theatrical trailer is Crystal Method's I Know It's You. And Mila Jovovich actually provides the vocals slash wailing for the song, which was released three years earlier. Hmm. I thought that one was pretty cool. That is pretty cool. So uh, that's all you get today. That's all the interesting facts you get today from me. That's all, folks. That's all, folks. So, uh, yeah, that's it. That's all I got. I am slightly disappointed they didn't have a soundtrack for the third. I mean, and they easily could have. There was a lot of music and stuff. They just... Well, you had, like, a kick-ass soundtrack for the first one. You had a kick-ass soundtrack for Apocalypse. Could have had a kick-ass soundtrack for Extinction. I think there was a version of the Terminator theme when they were driving the convoy at one point. I think it was when Carlos was driving towards the research base. ba 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 it may not have been exact, but it was so close. I was like, in my head, I was like, is this the Terminator theme? Is this, are they about to do this? Are they pulling a Terminator? 
Oh, gosh. Well, with all that being said, Daniel, what do you got going on? Nothing. Okay. Ariel, what do you... We already know I've got nothing going on. (laughs) I took Ariel's thunder. Generally, despite Aaron's wanting to, I stream twice a week, even though Aaron's not controlling me. I just want to make Aaron look like a bad guy, so everybody... Yeah, that's all you guys ever do. (laughs) It works. It's easy. Yeah. But anyways, I stream Monday and Thursdays around 7 p.m. Central Time, both days. I Right now, I'm currently playing Skyrim on Twitch. So that's twitch.tv slash fumblingfordaniel. You'll also find me on Twitter slash fumblingfordaniel to see when I go live or find me in any of the discords. So it's Skyrim on Mondays and on Thursdays, it's Shadow the Tomb Raider. And if Aaron plays something that I either want to play or stream with him when he streams... I do that on his two days, which he can tell you about that himself. (laughs) So I'm actually going to be quick about mine. Uh, Yeah, stream Wednesdays, 8 p.m. Central Time and stream Saturdays, 9 p.m. Central Time. And we pretty much just screw around, have fun with the uh, cast and some friends and do all kinds of stupid, crazy things and random games. Uh, And the reason I'm being quick for this is because I actually want to pitch something for the fans. If you are a Magic the Gathering fan, okay, uh, the compound that I talked about in one of the other episodes is actually going to PAX. I think it's East. I get the PAX is all confused. They're going to PAX this year. And at PAX, they give away or, you know, you can get special edition play mats for like Magic Gathering, you can only get at PAX. Um, the compound is actually offering right now, if you can't get to PAX, if you send them the funds, they will actually get one for you. So if that's something that interests you, go over to the PAX, or the PAX, the PAX, go over to the compound uh, on over on Twitch and uh, check them out. Really cool. Lots of nerd stuff. And uh, go ahead and hit them up. See if they can hook you up. But uh, yeah, that's all I got. What is your Twitch name? Oh, yeah. Uh, my Twitch name. Uh, that's a thing that I have to say. Uh, it's Almighty Crit. Uh, there you go. I would have never found up Almighty him. Crit. You're a liar. <laughs> it's in the show notes. You're welcome. Thanks. <laughs> um, with all that being said, though, I think it's time for us to call it an evening so see y'all bye there oh you know what i have going on what do you have going on you i gave you a platform and you didn't take you it didn't i, you t- I stole it back we got going on nothing goodbye guys thanks for joining us tonight on the resident evil lure cast we hope you enjoyed it if you did tell a friend Leave a comment and review. If you want to keep chatting with us about all things Resident Evil, you can find us on the Robots Radio Discord. You can also chat with us at RE Lurecast on Twitter. Till next time, stay safe out there. And remember, we might have something that might interest you, stranger.